podcast world what is up everybody welcome back to working at the wheel i'm your host vicky dombeck and if you're joining us on this fine day in madison wisconsin we are so happy that you are here if this is your first time joining us working at the wheel is a student produced podcast from a christian campus ministry called badger crew here in madison wisconsin and we're really just focused on fixing our eyes towards jesus and helping be a resource to you, whether you are in college alongside of us or anywhere else in the world. And today is our third episode in our wonderful identity theft series that we're talking about. Um, We've got some really cool guests here today looking at our identity and how we live, who we live for, especially looking at this whole concept of the American dream um, and how success can play a big part in our lives into that. So without further ado, we're going to welcome my wonderful guest sitting next to me. And our first one is my podcast team co-host, making her second appearance mm-hmm. on Working yeah. at the Wheel, Miss Lindsay Horton. How's it going? Mrs. Mrs. I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, that's totally okay. <laughs> going good. Happy to be here. And our guests today are Mr. Eldred Dennis and Mr. Jackson Pennings. How's it going over there, guys? Pretty well. How about you? It's going great, it's Eldred. It's great to be here. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, we're, we're really happy to have you here and um, dive into this topic that when I saw on our content team had come up with, I was really excited for from the mm-hmm. bat, you know, and I think it's a really important topic that doesn't get talked a lot about. And we've had a lot of topics on working at the wheel that we've tried to expand on that are very popular topics. Yeah. But this one, I think, is a fresh take that is going to be really good. So definitely, definitely. we're talking about the American dream. And I think the best way to start is to really just define the American dream and think about how it plays into success in our lives. And I was wondering if anybody had any opening thoughts on that and wanted to go in the tough task of defining what the American dream really is. In my opinion, I've, I've heard it said that the American dream is that anyone can come from anywhere and find both like economic prosperity and and fulfillment by sort of pulling themselves up by their bootstraps and working hard, having a good career, and then enjoying financial and personal security Mm -hmm. later in life. Yeah. 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 When I look up the American dream on Google, the definition says the ideal by which equality of opportunity is available to any American, allowing the highest aspirations and goals to be achieved. So I think kind of like two parts that stand out to me are what you said, Jackson, that anyone can do it, no matter what background they come from. And then two, that it's like all of your goals and dreams are achieved, like everything that you want for your life, you kind of get. I think a lot of the things that come along with the American dream, too, is the visual visualization of the American dream. You know, mm-hmm. you're thinking white picket fence, you know, yeah. house, maybe two or three kids, Definitely. you know, good job. And it's <laughs> very laid out where it's like one standard, right? And there's only mm-hmm. one correct answer to the American dream, mm-hmm. which I think kind of contradicts a lot of what we say here in America, where it's like everybody's welcome. This is everybody's place to be successful. But then we set this idea of okay, but this is the baseline. Yeah. This is this is the finish point. And I think what we want to do today is really relate that into dreams, goals, aspirations in our walk with Christ, how mm. things like that can fit together, but also where there can be some discrepancies in where we're truly placing our identity when it comes to success along with that. Mm-hmm. I think I do love that point where you said how it is. it does seem as if it's one path as if the only way to reach this American dream is getting that white picket fence, having that nuclear family, Mm. um, living that life. Um, I think that's very dangerous to think that way. I think we get so lost in searching for this one ideal that anything other than that seems dangerous, seems Mm. apart from the the idea of America, from what is beautiful with America. Mm. 
And I think that's such dangerous thinking because then we're so geared towards this one thing in which everything else is, in a sense, not welcome. It's, mm-hmm. in yeah. a sense... It's almost like second class. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's everything else is saying, oh, we do not love America. We do not want to search for this mm. American dream. And we want to do our own thing. And this is when we get into that trap of excluding people, of pushing people to the side, of pushing people down. And there's so many places where this comes from. I think we, we learn the American dream so young in our lives, mm-hmm. and we're pushed and raised that way. And the American dream in itself is not a bad thing. You want to find success. You want to believe that everyone can find success. Mm -hmm. But when you're raised from early childhood that is only through this struggle and that, like, you have to go through these paths of classes and then Mm -hmm. you go to to more classes and then then you're you're just trying to get good grades to go to further and, and further and further, but you lose track of what you're really searching for. Mm-hmm. You lose track of what you're really trying to do while trying to get to this point. And I think it's very dangerous because that's where stress comes for many students. That's where we get to a point in our lives in which, oh, I'm out of college. What am I doing with my life now? Because mm-hmm. I've gone so far down this path in which I'm searching for this white picket fence, this, uh, mm-hmm. these beautiful children, this beautiful wife by my side. But where am I in all of this? Where do I find myself in the world yeah. now? I think a really key word you said is searching, right? Mm. We're looking for this American dream. Because at the end of the day, some of us are maybe going to reach the standard that is the American dream. But if we reach it, how did we get there? Mm. And did we lose ourselves in the searching to find the American dream? You know, and and what defines us of getting there? Who's there to say, congrats, you made it to the American dream? Exactly. Newsflash, it's nobody. Nobody's really there to say, congrats, you made it. Because at the end of the day, there's always going to be something that we're continuing to search, especially when our identity is placed in that and not in Jesus. I think that's a really good point. And you said that, like, there's no one there to say, congrats, you made it. Mm. I think what's different between the American dream and Christianity is there is someone to say, hey, you're there, you made it. Like, when we're in heaven watching our life back on replay with christ Mm. and like we see the culmination of like all of our experiences that we are Mm. like in heaven we are with christ we are there for eternity yeah like we have actually reached the kind of fulfillment that the bible talks about instead of like i'm still on earth but i've got a house and i've got a kid and i've got a wife Mm. and you know i'm i'm still living but yeah another word that eldred said that i really liked was dangerous and i think Mm -hmm. for christians is like the american dream is dangerously unambitious Mm. like when you Mm. when you think about the kind of like radical love and sacrifice that like the life of jesus exhibits like a white picket fence Mm. and a family in a nice house yeah just does not align with that and it's yeah it's hard because like those are good things and like i think most people would love to experience that but if that's what you place your identity in if like your mind is set on reaching that and under and you understand that as like when you'll reach your moment of fulfillment that is dangerously unambitious yeah in, in an eternal mindset because it's it's not going to last which is very contradicted to what the american dream is right because the american dream is supposed to be this big ambitious thing right that everybody right follows mm. for, so for you know us to look at it in the light of it's actually the opposite of you're actually just trying to reach a state that other humans set for you instead of reaching a standard that our heavenly father has set for us to be welcomed mm. into the kingdom of heaven. It's, it's kind of funny how, how contradictive 
it actually is when you look at it. Right. And that's something I really appreciate about the life of Christ is that um, we we always have this kind of standard to live up to, something that we pray about and, and mm. focus ourselves on becoming more sanctified, becoming more like Christ. And it's something that like in this life, we're never really, we're never really there. We're never really reaching. Mm. It's not like one day in this life, you're just done like, oh, hey, you made like in this life, you made it. Good job. Like you're officially like Christ. Mm. Uh, it do- that just doesn't happen on this earth. And it's, I think, good for me to know as a Christian that like there is a love that's so radical that I will spend my entire life trying to mm. chase that. Yeah. Like, Amen. Yeah. Amen. yeah, I think, um, I think of the word chasing, like you said, like we're as Christians, we're chasing after Christ, the person of Jesus, and we're not chasing after things in this world that are truly empty promises. It makes me think of an analogy that Jason, my husband, uses to explain the devil or Satan. And I could I could be getting part of this wrong, but that like the actual word Satan in the Bible, I don't know if it's the Greek or the Hebrew or what part of it, but it is the word for accuser uh, and essentially just like accusing what he's focused on doing in our lives, in our minds and in our hearts is accusing us of things that aren't true of us or, or saying things and trying to get us to believe lies. Essentially, that's his whole goal, his whole uh, mission and motive and, and everything that he does is to get us to believe things that aren't true about ourselves and about God. And so part of the way that he gets us to chase after these things are by lying to us and telling us that we will finally get there, that it is this fulfilling thing that will give us full satisfaction in life if we if we get the job that we want or we finally make some income bracket that we've been searching after. Or even in college, I think of it as being like having a, a really prestigious major or knowing a lot of like big people on campus or something like that. There are so many different ways that the idea of the American dream is even changed for each life stage that we're in. But the thing that's true of all of it is that it really is just a lie of false satisfaction and that the only true satisfaction is in chasing after Jesus because when we chase after him, we get him, right? He's never going to withhold himself from us. So when we move towards him, he's right there for us. I think the American dream is very much based on a what's next lifestyle. Mm. You know, we reach something and it's always, okay, what's next? Mm -hmm. Where can I go next? How can I get better? And I think about some of the richest, some of the most famous people Mm. on earth, and I think about how they're not really much different than me, other than that one little thing that might define them, you know, or put them in the public eye. And I think about how they're still searching for something, that the the next big thing. And if they're still searching, and they're not finding that contentment, and they're not finding that satisfaction then there's probably going to be something wrong with that. That in itself should probably not be the thing that I choose to follow. You know, and the thing that I in turn choose to follow should be the one thing that can provide me that full satisfaction and provide me that full contentment, and that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that, you know, eternal perspective that you were talking about, Jackson, of living in the kingdom of heaven, re-watching, you know, our lives unfold with God right next to us and having him say, welcome you made it Mm. congrats you're here you know and I think that's where we get lost sometimes especially in a society that is very built on what's next I'm actually gonna flip uh what Jackson said on his head a little bit because (laughs) I think I love that idea that it is uh, it is unambitious 
But I also want to say that there's also people who can get so complacent once they get to that point. Mm. And in that complacency comes pride. And we become to glory, glory in the things of man. We become to mm. get so happy. We're like, in a sense, like happy in the things that we have. Yeah. Instead of putting that glory into the things of God. We're so happy we have this white picket fence. We're so happy we have these things. But are these things truly making us happy? Or are we just pushing down these other dangerous thoughts in our mind just so we look happy towards everyone else? Mm-hmm. And it's so, it, it puts us in this place in which we're so focused on our earthly selves and our earthly realm instead of focusing on God. Um, I read this one book for a class called uh, The City of God, in which this one writer, Augustine, starts talking about the city of God and the city of man. And in the city of man, we live according to man. We live according to our, our disorganized desires in which we can do, we try to do everything to find this happiness. But in that, because we're still searching, we're still searching, we can't find that. And then when we get to this point where we try to say, define what this happiness is, we get pride in that. We get we put pride in that I won this battle and that's my whole identity. We mm. put pride in, oh, I mean, I just got to the top of this firm. That's my whole identity. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's not our identity. Our identity is as sons and daughters of Christ. And that yeah. shouldn't be our that shouldn't be our pride. Yeah. Our our in a sense, pride, our confidence comes in God. And that's where he starts talking about the city of God in which it's about living according to God. It's about rightly ordering our desires so that everything is putting God first instead of searching and seeking for these things that will not please us. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. about glorifying God and putting all mm. our glory in the things of God. Mm-hmm. And we many times do not do that when we're so focused on the American dream. Yeah. Elder, that actually really reminds me of my own story of coming to find what God has led me to in life in terms of career path. When I came into college, I was head first into pre-med, doing everything possible for my biochem major and joining different clubs and whatnot. And it, I mean, being a surgeon was what I had wanted since I was five years old, some sort of doctor, something. So I always, growing up, I knew I was going to the medical field. And as I walked with the Lord, as I began to actually ask him what he wanted me to do instead of just going after what I thought would be good it became clear that he had some other things for me but in my heart it just felt like this tension and I think it really was exactly what you explained like our our flesh and glorying in the things of man and I was I just remember thinking like oh I'm not gonna have that much status if I'm not a doctor you know like it really was after worldly status and that is not at all to say that that is true of everyone who goes into that profession God is so at work in people who give their lives in the medical field. But for me personally, that's what my heart was after, even though it was really under a lot of layers of wanting to do good. And I had to get down to the real root of what I was doing and why I wanted to do it. And part of it also was that I just, I didn't really trust God with my future fully. I I thought like, oh, I've been working for these things. I have all this in my back pocket of like things that are, are building my resume and that would look good for this. But if I go into this other field, I have nothing to, to say for myself there. But it really, it, it really had to be God showing me his faithfulness and calling me. But I, I don't think I would have gone if I hadn't actually asked and just said, God, what do you want to do with my life? Or, or what are you calling me to do? Which I think is at the core of all of this as Christians and what we put our identity in. And our whole life is, is f- for God. And so we are truly just stewards. A sermon series a few years ago at High Point Church, the church that a lot of us go to, it talked about stewardship. It was called Entrusted. Um, And it said, as a Christian, we need to convictionally embrace the identity and mindset of a steward. 
And then they defined a steward as someone that owns nothing but governs everything. Mm. And so as, as stewards, as Christians who are stewards, we don't even own our own lives. We don't own the, the white picket fences that might go around our, our lawns. We don't own um, the people in our lives. And we, we certainly also don't own our careers and our physical possessions. But even our own lives and our, our plans are not our own. And so though we don't own them, we do govern them. God gives things to us to, to steward and to deal with. And the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, he gives man the mandate to rule over creation. And so we do have that, that responsibility. But ultimately, I think the real core of the identity of a Christian in terms of calling and, and, and dreams that we chase after in our lives, the core of that really is stewardship, that all things are unto God. Yeah, I, I really love everything that you just said, and I want to, you know, pick apart a couple pieces in there, yeah. too. The, the first part that I really want to do is kind of a cheap plug. <laughs> first, first episode of our Identity Theft series really looked at God's plan as a mm. whole. So if you heard all of what Lindsay just said about sharing about her own individual story, and you're like, I want to hear more of that, go check out episode 12, I believe it is, about God's plan. It, mm. It's really cool. We had some really cool guests on there that spent a good 40 minutes specifically talking about that, which awesome. I completely agree with you if that yeah. is a huge part of our identity and putting our full trust in that. And I think the second part that was really good was how, you know, differentiating how the Bible defines success and mm -hmm. how this world defines success. And especially looking at the idea of what you had brought up of a steward. God wants us to be successful. He wants us to have a good life and be comfortable in our lives and yeah. seek out endeavors and dream and everything like that. And I think the biggest part in that is finding the difference between dreams of our flesh and dreams that the world has put on our hearts versus what God has put on our hearts. Mm. And I think the first step, like you said, is just truly asking him. Yeah. Straight up, like go to God and say, hey, <laughs> what do saying. you want me to do? You can't go wrong there, really. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> I promise you that in some capacity and in God's perfect timing, you are going to get an answer. Mm -hmm. that's facts. You know, and that's just how amazingly loving our God is, is because he wants he wants that of us. He doesn't want us to sit down here confused about where we should take our lives and believing these false lies that the enemy is throwing at us about the American dream. He wants us to be successful, yeah. but he wants us to be successful with him yeah. and in his plan and in his realm. Yeah, I, I, I really agree with that. And, and one thing I'd say to kind of build off of that is like while while you're praying and while you're waiting with fear and trembling, continue to like read the word of God because he reveals so many things to us in his word yeah. that you might be like waiting for like a clear sign, like this is this is what you want me to do, God. Okay, I see. But I feel like with with my story, it wasn't quite the case there. I <laughs> my my uh, junior and senior year, I was thinking about you know what I was going to do after high school, and I think I felt this strange obligation to go into vocational ministry. Like mm. I felt like yeah, if I wasn't doing that, then I wasn't uh, to use a term we've already used, stewarding my my gifts mm. well. You weren't um, holy enough. Right. Yeah. It, it, was, it was not at all what I thought of as a calling. I, mm. I, I didn't feel, you know, impassioned by it. I, I mean, I was specifically thinking about doing, like, high school ministry. Mm. I didn't feel like it was a calling. I felt like it was an obligation. Mm. Like, like, I was, like, obligated because of what Christ had done for me. And I was very frustrated with God for, for some time that I didn't have this clear sign, like, this is what you want me to do. It just felt like... I was crying out and didn't hear something. And then I, a mentor in my life was, you know, wise enough to say, 
well, how much are you reading the Bible? How much are you mm. looking through God's word? Mm. And I said, probably not as much <laughs> as I should be. <laughs> call out. <laughs> yep, yep. The best mentors call you out. Oh, they do. Yep. Um, so pouring over God's word, I just, I sort of came across the parable of the talents and how ba- basically a master trusted three servants with different amounts of, of money and then came back and said, all right, what have you done with what I've given to you? And, mm. and for me, there was this understanding there that sometimes God doesn't say, okay, this is how your life is going to go step by step. And most of the time he doesn't. Yeah, and he, does, <laughs> he definitely does not always reveal that to yeah. us. So he's sitting there praying to God and, and sweating this out and saying, you know, God, why don't you just sort of light my path for me and mm. make it easy? Sometimes, I, th- I think for me in that, in that moment, I had to understand that I have been given gifts and abilities to steward and part of what is amazing about living life on this earth, knowing that, you know, we'll eventually spend eternity in heaven is that I can choose to use my gifts now mm. in a way that I'll be satisfied with for, for eternity. Mm. And it's not like, and this isn't the same for everybody. I think some people do have specific callings. Mm. It's not like I had one specific thing that I heard God clearly telling me to do. It was, I, I have these gifts and talents. I can do this. If this is how I spend my life, am I going to be satisfied? Mm looking back on that with Christ in eternity. And I think once I sort of sat with that, it made me not discouraged or like afraid to make a decision. It was mm. like, I can't go wrong. Now that I know this, <laughs> now that I like know what I'm able to do, now that I know my, my spiritual gifts and abilities, how do I want to best steward those to advance the kingdom of God? So yeah. conviction. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I completely agree with, with everything you just said too. And I think going back to how we initially define the American dream is just this one standard baseline for everybody. I think since it is so standard that there's a lot of comparison that comes mm-hmm. with it, oh, absolutely. which absolutely. is the tool of the enemy to try to pit us against each other instead of being a united kingdom of God. And man, comparison is just something that I think comes in a lot of things, but especially in success, right? When it comes to things that define us of this world, money, fame, um, mm. status compared to the things that define us in the kingdom of heaven. And I'd love to talk about comparison a little more up next about how we can really idolize comparison and put our identity in how we look to other people versus yeah. how we're truly looking and pleasing to our creator. Yeah, I think um, when we look at how we are looked at by God, I think it's important to remember truly the power of the blood of Jesus. I think that a lie from the enemy is that we need to do a certain amount to be good for God. Just first and foremost, there's nothing that we can do that would turn the Lord away. And I'm specifically thinking of a verse that defines this in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Okay, yeah. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Mm. So I think when we talk about comparison, it's important to first look at how we're seen in the eyes of God. We are a new creation. Mm. When we place our faith in Jesus Christ, there is a rejuvenation of our spirit by the Holy Spirit. His work is to literally put new life within us. And our old self is dead. Our, Our new self is now alive. And that is pleasing to God. That sacrifice of our our whole lives to him, that's a pleasing aroma before the Lord. And I think the root of comparison is taking our eyes off of that relationship and looking elsewhere for our validation and our identity and what we deem as good. 
Absolutely. And I think before we move on to maybe our last topic today is if you're not around the Badger Crew community and you're listening to us elsewhere, first of all, thank you. We love love you a lot. (laughs) But this man has told me to stop quoting him a lot. But I literally can't because everything he says convicts me like crazy. And that's Alex Bell. Oh, I love Alex. Alex Bell. And he gave a crew talk earlier in the year that really laid out Mm. and defined the terms of like good things in our life, but idolizing them over God and how we can really do that. It's on our YouTube channel. If you want to go check it out, I don't remember the specific date of it, Mm. but it was really one of those nights where I just had to take a step back and I was like, whoa, hold up here. And I think in looking at that, that's kind of the whole aspect of the American dream is I think Eldred, you said it earlier, the American dream in itself is not bad. Yeah. But when we're idolizing it and we're putting our identity in it over Christ, then that's where it just, it it starts to tear us apart from the inside. And it starts to really affect that relationship with Christ and put us more on a perspective of our earthly self versus that eternal perspective that Jackson keeps talking about, which Mm -hmm. is one of my favorite things to think about. And I probably didn't start thinking about an eternal perspective, you know, until pretty far into my faith walk. So Mm -hmm. it's something, too, that I challenge you to really take time to think about and educate yourself. Vicki, can you define what you mean by that? Yeah. So eternal perspective is just looking at things beyond our world today, Mm -hmm. looking at What's going to last? What is going to last? What is going to be eternal? What is going to be forever with God in heaven? Because I I think I said this in an episode previously, but the majority of our life is not on this earth. Mm -hmm. We are not. This earth is not our home. And I think if we think like that, then that's where Mm. it's going to, our identities and our idolizations are going to get lost. Um, So finding those things that aren't inherently bad, but that we can still surrender even further to the Lord um, is going to be really important in looking at that plan that he has to unfold for us coming up. I love the idea of idols. <laughs> I love that you said that because I feel like there's so many idols we put in our lives that mm-hmm. keep us from that true identity of being under God. Mm-hmm. I think whether, whether it's on the micro level of friends, of wanting to be known, of wanting to believe that we have this small little success here, whether it's on the large level of Am I a great American citizen? Am I doing everything that I need to be doing to be great in society? Mm-hmm. Am I following under this kind of pretense that we put with America? Like I don't want to—I don't want to make this sound like I hate America, but if you—if you make—if you think about it, <laughs> we. We literally praise America and yeah. put it as a God so yeah. many times in our lives. Yeah. If you think about elementary school, we literally sit there on Mondays at age seven and teach kids that to say this pledge of allegiance, which truly is a prayer of reverence. If you think mm-hmm. about it. We're sitting here and putting this this idea of America so high in our heads, in which many times I think it supplants the idea of God. Yeah. And I think that's so dangerous for our, the way we live our lives, in which if you see, if, if anything happens in which we get apart from this idea of America, or apart from this idea that we are not with America and what they're saying right now in a certain subject, then would that not be sacrilegious? Would that not be going against these things? And when you see this idea as a God type thing, it's mm. dangerous. When you yeah. see that this is that the greatest union is with God instead of this United States, that's kind of dangerous. The idea of United States being a God, and we can't be under that so much. We can't stay with that idol because that I, by staying with that idol, we push ourselves to forget about God, to forget about the things of God, and put our identity in this America, put our identity in being a citizen of this earth. 
But I remember one of the speakers during um, Winter Conference said that he talked about the, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I love that story. Mm. Um, and it talked about how King Nebuchadnezzar made this huge idol, this tall gold statue, which looked like him, which is kind of mm. smart because, like, if you're going to make a statue, might as well make it look like you. <laughs> but the whole point of the statue was just to show the power of his nation and the power mm. of himself and the pride of himself. But these men, these men were strong, God-fearing men, and they realized that I cannot sit here and praise this thing that is not my God. Yes, I work under this man. Yes, we have been brought into this world in which we are now in this nation with him, but I cannot serve him because I serve my God. Mm -hmm. And these men would not bow down to praise this statue, which was very... uh, Defiant. Defiant. I love that word. Very defiant <laughs> of the of the times and of the culture because everyone was praising this statue that this man had brought up. You know, if you didn't, you're going to be thrown into fire. But these men stood up and said, we're not doing that. We're going to go and praise our God instead of anything that the world says. I want us to realize that we are in Babylon today, my friends. <laughs> we, this, yeah. we are not of this world. We are of the heavenly kingdom. Yeah. Our greatest Amen. good is the is our union with God, and mm-hmm. we should just be so happy about that. And that is our identity. Our identity is not of the things of this world. And while there's so many things that make us want to think that, our identity is not that. We have so much more beautiful things to look forward to, so much more beautiful things to define ourselves as than the sin that is living and roaming this world mm-hmm. because we are sons and daughters of God. When are we going to stop characterizing ourselves as American first and foremost and in turn children of God hmm. as our, as our first you know what are you I'm a child of God <laughs> that's that's hard that's it <laughs> that's a instead real of hard. instead of saying I'm American you know I'm a college student I'm a journalism major I'm yeah. this I'm that mm-hmm. I'm a child of God first and foremost and I think when we start to think that way in terms of what you were saying serving our our heavenly father first and foremost while still, you know, having the respect and authority of people on this earth. Of course. But first and foremost, having our first priority be, I'm a child of God, hmm. is I think a way that we don't think about a lot and can be dangerous, like you were saying, when we're characterizing ourselves in other ways other than, I'm a known, loved child of God. I, I really like that. Like, I think what is so radical about Christ is that, like, when, when, Jesus is, is your, your identity. It's not like every other thing that you are is unrelated. So mm-hmm. like when it comes to like being an American or being a college student, your your faith and your relationship with Christ are not disconnected with those things. Yeah. I, yeah. I can, I can yeah. throw it back Absolutely. to another uh, great Alex Bell analogy. Ooh. Um, <laughs> He's not going to like Alex, are you listening? No. <laughs> Alex, <laughs> Alex, we love you. <laughs> we are not going to stop quoting you because you've said too many awesome things. Um, <laughs> Anyway, the analogy basically is that, like, if your life is a house, then different rooms could be different parts of your identity or different parts of your experience. And we all have a choice to, to allow God into, into certain parts of our life. And I think for Christians, what total surrender looks like is allowing Jesus to go into any part of your life. So, like, mm-hmm. if, if one of your rooms is, is involved with being a college student, like, that part mm-hmm. of your life, Christ is not separate from it. Yeah. You're, you are a college student. But, like your relationship yeah. with Jesus is shown in that area of your life. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with being American and the same thing with, you know, yeah. your finances. That's another part of your life. And I think when it comes to your identity, we like w- when we accept Jesus into our life, our house looks one way. And then it's not like it stays that way. We like keep building onto it. Mm-hmm. We keep growing. Mm-hmm. We're like adding new parts to our life. 
and Jesus has given us like materials and things to work with and and we're sort of building our house up under the direction of Jesus. Mm. Um, I don't want to tear the analogy apart but I think (laughs) I have a good addition to it in the sense that it it reminds me of where in scripture Jesus is described as the cornerstone Mm. yeah and Mm. so when we invite him into our lives he becomes the foundation of our lives Mm. and so our house is built upon that and any room cannot stand without christ as the cornerstone Mm. absolutely yeah there's i think that brings to mind oh i think it's another corinthians reference i'm gonna get this wrong it's (laughs) okay i already did (laughs) first corinthians 3 12 i think it is talking about how someone might have laid a foundation before you and like that foundation is christ is the gospel Um, i think the verse goes if anyone builds on this foundation with did i get the reference right Mm -hmm. nice jackson would you pulled it up oh thank you appreciate it anyone who builds on that foundation Mm. may use a variety of materials gold silver jewels wood hay or straw it goes on to talk about how in eternity that house will be shown for what it is that the Mm. light will expose it and it either will survive or it'll be like consumed by the fire Mm. so when we're talking about things in an eternal perspective like when we're, we're talking about our houses and like letting jesus into these areas we're either building things that will last for eternity or they won't. And I think a great way to figure out whether or not you're building something that's going to last for eternity is mm. ask yourself, is Jesus an active part of this area of my life? So like mm. in the American dream, if you're thinking about your career, is Jesus a part of your career? Mm. Is, is your mindset or is that part of your life? And I would argue not even just a part, but like the focus of right. it all. Right. Yeah. Um, and and it's going to look different. And I think that's what you meant, Jackson. But just to put it in different words, it's sure. going to look different in different ways too. Jesus as the motivation uh, and the driving force of everything that we do, career-wise, dreams, goals, whatever, is going to look different for each person. And it's going to look different in how that manifests. So that means that like people that go into the, the marketplace or whatever aren't just there to share the gospel in the marketplace. They're there to create good things. And there are so many facets of these things that we do that are worth nothing. If they're, they're going to be burned away in that analogy, that scripture you just referenced, Jackson, they're going to be burned away. They're not going to last if Jesus is not intimately entwined in all of it. And I think the important point is just looking to God to define what that is going to look like. Absolutely. I think that goes back to to what you were saying earlier about looking at how our society and even sometimes the Christian community can paint out the stigma of if I'm not a full-time missionary, I'm a second-class mm. Christian. Yeah. yeah. And that can't be any more false. Mm. You yeah. know, looking at where God has placed you as an opportunity not only like you were saying to share the gospel, but to also impact this world and impact even the littlest things too. Yeah. And when I say impact this world, it can be on huge grand scales. And, and one thing I don't want people to take away from this is if you are doing amazing big things and you are creating amazing big change, that is great. That, that is not bad as long as it is for God. Mm. Yeah. And even on the littlest scale and on the littlest thing of one person, that is still just as great. And, yeah. and doing it all for God is, is where it all comes from. Yeah. I think one thing that I'm now remembering again is that like it really encouraged me to know that like the life of jesus was maybe about 33 years and that he didn't (laughs) enter full full, his full-time ministry until 30 yeah (laughs) he 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 spent you know the majority of his life on earth not in full-time ministry Mm. and you know i'm I'm certain that every action of his was 
still completely pleasing to God. So like that was encouraging to me. Like Jesus, the carpenter, like thinking about what that means for the direction of my life. I think that that kind of like wraps up everything that we're talking about and just shows that to each of us are called to so many different things. God has placed dreams and, and, and visions and goals on our hearts that he wants us to go after for his glory. And if he, if it really is for his glory, then we're in his will and we are going to be fully satisfied. We're not going to reach the end and have no one there to say, you did it, you've made it. We're, we're going to reach that. We're going to be running. And we know with God next to us um, that, that we're encouraged that we're, we're doing um, what is good and pleasing and, and perfect to him. And when we finally do reach that complete end in Christ in heaven with him, we will get to spend all of our days praising him and, and singing holy is the lord and that is the most satisfying dream we could have and the good fruit will be endless yeah never, oh yeah we, too. we have abundance in christ <laughs> so good wow guys i've really loved talking about this and the last thing i want to do is cut anything short so <laughs> we're gonna go into our reference minute now too which i think is just gonna be just as fruitful if we're mm-hmm. keeping that word in mind <laughs> but so for those of you who haven't been on the podcast before our reference minute is just a time to give some more of those cheap plugs like i've been doing this whole episode about going back and giving more resources for our listeners to find out more about this topic more about just great things that you found in your walk that can help influence another so i'll open it up to anybody who wants to start but anything that you've got in mind that you'd want to give a cheap plug go for it am i allowed to say alex bell (laughs) (laughs) Uh, if if it was him here he'd probably say no but i'll allow it um i have a lot (laughs) as we've uh, been talking and before there are a lot of things that have come to mind um one is a small booklet it's not really a full book it's really small called the freedom of self-forgetfulness by tim keller and i think that touches on the point that eldred made of a lot of the motivations for the american dream being pride and this book really gets at where we where we pull our identity being from the lord and not caring about what other people think of us or even what we think of ourselves and the freedom that there is in not looking to ourselves. Another one is the Engage and Equip podcast from High Point Church. Episode 250 is an interview with Pastor Nick Gibson and Dave Gary. Dave is the founder and CEO of the Princeton Clubs, and they talk about marketplace ministry. And so that episode isn't specifically about what we're talking about here, but I think if you listen, you'll hear their heart for the workplace, um, and, and you'll hear the truth of what it means to be a steward for the Lord in the themes of that podcast episode. Another one, I'm not done, um, is a Faith Working Calling Conference. I think we might be calling it something different this year, but put on by Upper House at the end of May. I think it's literally a conference about work and calling and what it looks like to walk in what God has called you to and chase after the dreams that he's laid on your heart. And then finally, um, the sermon series that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, from High Point Church in the fall of 2018. It's called Entrusted, and it's all about how our entire lives is stewardship to the Lord. I think I do have one plug. Yeah. Um, this was a, a big part of my story, a big step forward. If, if you're interested in understanding the eternal perspective, I know Eldred was at Winter Conference. I think Vicky, you were too, last year. Um, mm. I know exactly where back this is in going. I, I hope you do. So there's this, I'll call it a play, but it was yeah. kind of a one-man show performed in front of us called The Bama. I think. Mm-hmm. Put on by Charlie Schaller. 
Really? Um, <laughs> I I watched that play my senior year, my senior year in high school. Really? Yeah. It was so I had just experienced the death of a close family member, and mm. I was very unsure of of what it meant for for my faith. Um, mm. She was basically the, the strongest Christian mentor I'd had in my life. Mm. And somebody I volunteered with at my church was wise enough to point it out to me and say, hey, take a look at this because, you know, this is why we do what we do. So mm. um, I know there's a version of it on YouTube, if not multiple versions. Um, I watched a version on YouTube. And I have it on DVD if anyone would like to borrow it. <laughs> I, w- <laughs> I, I watched this very well done play sitting alone in my room and I basically, mm. you know, wept at yeah. the understanding that, you know, one day we'll all be worshiping God in heaven forever. Mm. So if, if you're interested in understanding that eternal perspective, perspective I think mm. that that play does an excellent job of showing how relevant the way you live your life is, even though it's sh- it, it, it's so short in yeah. comparison with eternity. So, Bema. I hate to do this again, but I have another one. I just thought of it as you're talking about it. Specifically, the book of Ecclesiastes mm. talks about work and the purpose of work before the Lord. And it can seem a little grim as you read it tar- because it really does focus on our whole life being really short. And it seems that things might be not worth it. But if you look um, to the themes of doing things for the glory of God, I think you can get a lot out of it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today, guys. I was really excited when I saw this topic, and I can firmly say that I'm very excited to edit this topic and get it out (laughs) to as many people as possible ASAP. So thank you so much for being here today. We will have more of our Identity Theft series coming up. We're about halfway through with this being our third episode. So if you've liked it so far, be on the look for that. But we're always open to feedback and even more things that we want to help tailor this to our listeners and you guys out there. Um, So feel free to reach out to us at any time. But otherwise, that's it for us today here on Working at the Wheel. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. See you guys. Bye, everybody.